So time is a central component of Judaism. It starts at the beginning. God creates the world in six days and rests on the seventh. Every week we work for six days and we rest on the seventh day, Shabbos. So days are very important in Judaism. Of course, we have a Jewish calendar with various holidays, like Passover, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, various Jewish holidays. Each one is on a very specific day in the calendar, which is why calendar is so important. In the past, we did a class on calendar. Importantly, both Shabbat and Jewish holidays all start at the evening and end the next evening. So we start, unlike our secular calendar, counts the day begins at midnight or 12 a.m. In the Jewish calendar, the day, or for Jewish law, for most, almost all things, not everything, but almost all things, the day begins at night and continues until the next night. So Shabbat begins in the evening and continues until the next evening, and holidays begin in the evening and continue until the next evening. There's also a number of other important day or time-related things in Judaism. Some examples in this week's Parsha, we have the bris. A child must be circumcised on the eighth day from their birth. And it must be done during the day. A pidyon heben, the child, a firstborn son, must be exchanged for five with a Kohen. For five, you must give the Kohen five silver shekels. We once did a class on it. That must be on the 30th day, for, after, on the 31st day from birth. We mentioned briefly the laws of Nida. A woman, when she gets her menstrual cycle, must count seven clean days from the end of her menstrual cycle and then go to the mikveh. Again, you have to count seven days. So we have a number of laws that involve days. We also have rules that are related to specific times of the day. Our prayers. We have to pray. Shacharit is the morning prayer. must be prayed in the morning. Mincha must be prayed in the afternoon. Ma'ariv, evening prayer, must be prayed in the evening. So we need to know when is morning, when is afternoon, when is evening. Victor, did you have a question? Uh, times of the day are not our hours, are they? They're, they're um, based on um, when the sun rises. And when times of the day are based on sunrise and sunset. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of times of the day today because I really want to focus on sunset today. But very good, very good point. Shema, the Shema prayer must be said twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. So you've got to know when morning is and when evening is. There are many mitzvot, many commandments that may only be done by day. Like the tefillin may only be worn during the day. Tzitzit is only worn during the day. The shofar is blown on Rosh Hashanah only during the daytime. The lulav is shaken, we shake, on, uh, we shake on Sukkot only during the day. There are some mitzvot that can only be done at night. Like Passover, we eat matzah, must be done at night. The whole Seder must be done at night. So in order to know the correct times for these things, when is day? When is night? When is morning? When is afternoon? When does the day begin? When does the day end? It's important to have definitions. Every rule in Judaism is defined exactly, with very, very specific detail. Judaism is a very rule-based system. 
Jewish law, and everything has rules, and everything has details. So time also, there's very specific rules. When things begin, when things end, when does the day start, when does the day end? It's very important to define the exact moment when the day begins and when the day ends, when the morning is, when the afternoon is, when the evening is. So, as we're said, so defining time in Judaism is one of the most important pillars of Judaism because it impacts so many different parts of Judaism. And yet, we're going to see it's a very difficult thing to do. Debbie? You can eat matzah a whole week, but it's a mitzvah to eat matzah on the two nights, first nights of Passover. That's when it's a mitzvah. You can still have it during the, during the day, right? Yes, you can have it any time you want. But the requirement, the obligation to eat matzah, the commandment, is at night. So throughout our history, defining time in Judaism, particularly defining when the day begins and ends, has always been an issue of great debate and to some extent, it remains an issue of debate even today. Now, when it comes to time in Judaism, and even when it comes specifically to the beginning and end of the day, there are dozens of different issues that are debated. And um, they are, uh, and it has been debated for a very, very long time. Perhaps we could say that this is the most important part of Judaism time and defining the beginning and end of the day that has been subject to so much debate throughout our history. So while there are many, many issues regarding time in Judaism and particularly when the day begins and ends, today what I'm going to try to do is focus on one of the most important, not the most important detail involving when the day begins and ends, and perhaps we could say also the most controversial of, their, of, their, uh, of all of them, and that is defining the exact moment of when the day starts and when the day ends. Very important. The moment, now we know that the day starts at night and goes on and ends the next night. So, for example, Shabbat begins Friday when night comes. And Shabbat ends on Saturday when night comes again. The same is also every holiday. Yom Kippur begins at night. It ends at night. At the exact moment that night begins, that's when Yom Kippur is going to begin. That's when Yom Kippur is going to end. Every Jewish holiday will start at night the moment that night begins, and will end at night, the moment that night ends. What exactly, though, is that moment? When is the moment that Shabbat begins? When is the moment that the night begins? And when is the moment that the night ends? When the sun goes down. When exactly does the sun go down? It's different every day, but it's something that takes a very long time. The sun starts to go down already in the late afternoon, and it slowly goes lower, lower, lower below the horizon, and then you still see faint rays of the sun for a while afterwards, and you still see a little light. At exactly what moment is night? Is it based on the visibility of a certain number of stars? 
It could be based on visibility of a certain number of stars. Very good point. The Talmud speaks of seeing stars. Uh, very excellent point. So the Talmud in the book of Shabbos, page 34, says that we actually don't know the moment when the, when the day ends and the night begins. The Talmud tells us that there is a period called Bain Hashmashot, maybe best translated as twilight, when we're actually not sure what day it is. In other words, our evening can be split into three parts. There is the day, we're still certain that it's day. So let's say Friday, it's not yet Shabbat. A period called Bain Hashmashot, or twilight, where we're not yet sure if it's still day, or maybe it's already night. So maybe Shabbat has not yet begun, maybe it has begun. And then there's a point where it's for sure night, and it's definitely Shabbat. The same would be at the end of Shabbat, where there is a period where it's day, so it's definitely still Shabbat on Saturday afternoon. Then there's a certain point where it's Ben Hashmashot, or twilight, where we're uncertain if it's still Shabbat, or maybe it's already night and no longer Shabbat. And then there's a point where it's night, definitely night, and it is Shabbat has definitely ended. Now, because of this twilight period, we don't know if it's day or it's night. We have to treat it as if it's both. So what we would have to do is, we would have to begin keeping Shabbat, begin Shabbat on Friday, as soon as that twilight period begins. Because it may already be night, and Shabbat may have already started. We must then, on Saturday afternoon, on Saturday evening, we must continue keeping Shabbat throughout this twilight period, because it might still be daytime, it might still be Shabbat. And only after it's fully dark and the twilight period is over, then we don't no, no longer keep Shabbos because now, for sure, definitely, Shabbos is over. And the same would go with every Jewish holiday. There's a little, there's this twilight period, this Ben Hashmashot period, where it may be part of the day, it may be part of the night. So at the beginning of the holiday, we'll already consider it as part of the holiday, because maybe it's already night. At the end of the holiday, we will still consider a part of the holiday because maybe it's still day. We don't know which one it is. So this will go for the holidays, this will go for Yom Kippur, and that's why Shabbat is never 24 hours. It's always a little bit more than 24 hours. Or Yom Kippur is never 24 hours. It's all, they're always a little bit more than 24 hours. For that reason, because we have this twilight period, this Ben Hashmashob period, where we don't know if it's day or night, so... And when, we, when it begins, we consider it night and already begin Shabbat or the holiday earlier at this twilight period. When it ends, we consider it still, we consider the, the twilight period still part of the Shabbat or the holiday and therefore it kind of, it's Shabbat on both ends, both on Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. The same thing would also be all the mitzvot, all the commandments that we have to do during the daytime must be done before the twilight period because maybe the twilight is already nighttime. All the things that have to be done at night, like eating matzah on Passover, have to be done after the twilight period, because maybe this twilight period is still during the day. 
So we know there's this period in between that's neither day nor night. But when does ben, when is this Bain Hashmashot or twilight period? When does it start? When does it end? In other words, when is the point where it's no it's day? When is the point that we trans that we go from being day to twilight? We're not sure what it is. And when is the point we go from twilight to definitely night? At what point is that? So the answer to this question is not clear. It's not easy. The Talmud in Shabbos brings multiple opinions as to when day ends, twilight or Ben Hashmashod begins, and when Ben Hashmashod ends and nighttime begins. The Talmud brings multiple different opinions. So it's not clear when it is. We do, though, we have chosen, as we do generally when there are multiple opinions over time, we, the consensus evolves around one particular opinion. So we do generally follow the view of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda tells us that twilight, Ben Hashmashot, starts at sunset. It starts when the sun goes down, sunset. And it ends at, it ends when it is fully dark. It ends when it's fully dark. Often that is also referred to as three stars being visible that Victor mentioned a moment ago. How long is that period? So the Talmud tells us that the twilight period, according to this view, Ben Hashmashot, is the amount of time, and the way they would measure time was by the amount of time it took to walk a certain distance, was the amount of time it took an average person to walk three quarters of a mil. How much is three quarters of a mil? Three quarters of a mil is 0.4 miles. How long does it take to walk 0.4 miles? So there's some debate about this, but depends on how fast you're walking, right? So the Talmud was speaking about walking very, very slowly because we're talking about somebody who's walking a whole day. So if you're walking for a whole day, you take your time, you walk very slowly. And so the standard hiluch mil amount of time it takes to walk this um, three quarters of a mile um, or point four, uh, three quarters of a mil, sorry, or point four of a mile is except, usually accepted, although as we'll see there's some debate in it, as being 18 minutes. So it's a period of 18 minutes. Yes? Okay, so the concept of minutes wasn't really invented until there were clocks. So how do we get no. 18 minutes? Hours and minutes have been around for a very long time. They had, they had water clocks and oh. sand clocks. They, they've been around for a very long time. Yeah, from the Greeks. So now we know twilight begins at sunset. That's when it begins. And it ends when 18 minutes later, which it would be fully dark. When, though exactly is sunset. And what is considered dark? 
Now, clearly, if you look outside, from the moment the sun goes below the horizon, it takes a lot longer than 18 minutes to get fully dark. We're to the point where there is no light other than the moonlight, or on a moonless light, on a moonless night, it will be pitch black, where you will not be able to see at all if you're outside of a urban area. Um, that point usually takes over an hour from sundown. So what exactly, when exactly is this 18 minute or so twilight period? There is an hour. There is an hour. But I am telling you how to, the app figured this out. Now if you look at the stars, Victor mentioned earlier three stars and term the Talmud mentions in a number of places. If you look in the stars in a clear place, again, not in an urban environment where we have all these lights around us, but you're in the middle of nowhere, you look at the stars, a couple minutes after sunset, you can already see stars. It doesn't even take 18 minutes. Depends where you are, depends on time of year, and depends on the atmosphere, but you could see stars pretty quickly after sunset. So, well, maybe we're not referring to all stars, particular size stars, or maybe in particular places. So when exactly is these 18 minutes? So this has been an issue of, a big issue of debate for at least the past thousand years or so among Jews. And there are a number of different views as to exactly how to define this. But there are two main opinions as to exactly how to define this. The first one is, the first opinion is known as the view of the Geonim. The Geonim is the view shared by a number of Jewish leaders that were known as Geonim, which was a term for the Jewish leaders of Babylonian Jewry, which was then the largest Jewish community in the world, during the Arab under Arab rule, meaning starting in the early 600s when the Arabs captured, conquered Iraq, and um, continuing until the dwindling of the Jewish community in Babylon about the year 1000 or so. So it's about a 400-year period that the center of Jewish life was in Babylon or Iraq, and there were great Jewish schools over there, and the Jewish leaders at the time were called Geonim. Perhaps we can do a class on the Geonim. So a number of Geonim, Rabbeinu Nisim Geon, Rabbeinu Shura Geon, Rav Hai Geon, um, shared this view, so it became known as the Geonic view. And in this view, twilight begins, or at the moment of sundown. The Ben Hashemashot begins at the moment of sundown. When is sundown? So sundown is not the sundown on your calendar or that Google will tell you. Because the sundown that Google tells you is when the sun reaches, now just to kind of visualize it, is when the sun goes below the horizon. Now think of the earth as a sphere, right? It's like a ball, right? Now think of you right, you and I, we are standing at the very top of the ball. So you have a ball, and think of yourself standing at the very top. At what point will you no longer able, be able to see the sun? In theory, right, the sun is kind of quite a distance from you, 
and we are spinning, right? So in theory, when you spin to the point, I'm going to move the sun, it's going to be easier for you to see. When the sun moves to the point that it's 90 degrees from where you are standing. In other words, the sun is directly above an area that is exactly 90 degrees in latitude beyond where you are, right? So at that point, once it goes below 90 degrees, you will no longer be able to see the sun, in theory. And so the official sunset is at that moment, when the sun reaches 90 degrees along the Earth's sphere from where you are standing now. It's directly above 90 degrees to your west. No, noon is when the sun is directly above you. So it, it is noon, 90 degrees to your west. So think of our earth as being 360 degrees. So a quarter of the earth westward. It's noon over there. So it varies because over the year, sunset varies at different times. Right? So it will vary. Um, in theory, on the equinox, March 21st, if we didn't have daylight savings, in theory it would be 12 o'clock. In reality, we're a little off because of our clock system. So when the sun is 90 degrees from you, that would be the moment that of sunset. However, there's a couple problems with that. That doesn't work in reality for a couple of reasons. Firstly, that would be when, this, if the sun is directly above you, the sun, remember, is a, is, a, is a ball, and there is a time during sunset you can only see part of the sun, right? You're still able to see part of the sun. It needs to go beyond 90 degrees in order for you not to be able to see any of the sun. So it's really a little bit, it's almost a degree beyond 90 degrees has to go closer to 91 degrees in order for you not to see any of the sun. But then it's even more than that. Why? So our Earth is, a, is surrounded by an atmosphere. Now, the atmosphere, it's like if you look into a glass cup filled with water and you kind of put something behind it so you get a reflection right, or a rounded mirror, right, it bends the light. Our atmosphere goes around the earth, and so it bends the light of the sun. So actually, the visible sunset is a minute or two after the real sunset, because the, what happens is the atmosphere bends the light of the sun, so you can see it even when it's technically below the horizon, the atmosphere is bending it, reflecting it, allowing you to see it as if it's there. So it's really a little bit after. It gives you an extra, and it really depends on where you are, the time of year, and the particular atmosphere at that time. The atmosphere, depending on how dense the atmosphere is at any given moment and its particular makeup, um, and that changes based on place and time and weather, um, based on that, that can change our ability to see the sun. Sometimes <clears throat> toward the evening, my son will go dashing out the door, told me you got on the app and yes. to come to a minute. And I look up, and it looks like it's darker <laughs> to me, and I think you have to finish. 
Ideally before twilight. Ideally we try to finish our afternoon prayers before twilight, but afternoon prayers, if you didn't fin do it before twilight, you could still do it till it's dark. We'll get to that. Okay. So anyway, so it's a little bit after, it's a couple, it's about two to three minutes after actual sunset is when really the sun is no longer visible. What we could call, what we call actually in Jewish law, visible sunset or shkia hanirit, visible sunset. Some opinions even say sunset is even a drop beyond that. As long as you can still see the sun shining on the trees or buildings, which is going to be another two minutes or so later, it's still not yet sunset because you could still see the sun's rays. Um, so anyway, at that moment, that moment would be when the sun goes a little bit below the horizon. So it would be more like not 90 degrees, but 91, 92 degrees, right? One or two degrees below the horizon. At that moment, um, that is the actual moment of sundown according to the Gaonic view. And that is when the twilight period, where we don't know which day it's, it's part of, begins. And now, according to the Gaonic view, you would then count 18 minutes from when the sun is no longer visible. And after the 18 minutes, it is now nighttime. Fully night. Now definitely night, no questions. However, big catch here. The 18 minutes are not really 18 minutes. Why? The 18 minutes, it's not about how many minutes you waited from sundown. It's about how dark it is. In order to wait to, to know how dark it is, right, it doesn't matter how many minutes have passed. It matters how far the sun has gone below the horizon. So 18 minutes is only in a particular place at a particular time. But the amount of time it takes for the sun to dip below the horizon depends on how fast the sun is moving. And that changes. Summer, winter, changes different times, different places. So the 18 minutes that we spoke of is only during the equinox. Equinox is when daytime and nighttime is equal, right? Which is only on September 21st or March 21st every year. And it's only in Jerusalem, the center of all Jewish law. So what we need to do is we need to measure 18 minutes on March 21st in Jerusalem after visible sundown. 18 minutes later, where is the sun at that point? The answer is, it's, this is an issue of debate also, but just to simplify it, uh, the sun is six degrees. Uh, 18 minutes after sundown, the sun is six degrees below the horizon, or 96 degrees from where we are standing. So, what we need to do now is not count 18 minutes from sundown, but wait until the sun is six degrees below the horizon. Now that will change because in the um, winter, 
the sun moves much faster during the day. Mm -hmm. And so it moves below the horizon much quicker. It's a shorter day. In the summer, the sun is moving much slower. Now, the reason for that is the sun is only found over the center of the Earth, the equator, during, um, on the equinox, on September 21st or March 21st. But in the summer, it moves, the sun is found because of our, the way we circle the sun. Um, the sun is found a little bit further to the north. In the winter, the sun is found a little bit further to the south. The closer you are, the closer you are to the sun, right? The closer you are to the sun. Well, in general, the closer you are to wherever the sun is, right? The faster the sun is. Sorry, the, the closer you are to the sun, uh, the more you're able to see the sun, the slower the sun's going to move the less you can see the sun, right, then the more, uh, then the faster the sun is going to move. So what happens is, if you are very close to the equator, then the sun, the time that it takes for the sun to go below the horizon is much, is much uh, quicker. The further away you move from the equator, the further north you're going to move, this is both winter and summer, especially if you're above the highest point of the sun, which is about 23 degrees above the equator, um, you will, the further you, north you move, the longer it's going to take for the sun to reach that six degree point after sunset. So Jerusalem is just under 32 degrees from the equator. We in Los Angeles are not much further. We're about 34 degrees, three degrees further north from Jerusalem. We're pretty close. If you would go much further no north, you go up to Vancouver, or you go up to the Jews living um, and scholars living in places like St. Petersburg, right, in, or other northern places that are very, very, very far north, the time it takes for the sun to set, any day of the year is a very long time. So, we, what we, so what we will do according to this Gaonic view is sundown starts the moment that the sun is no longer visible, which is when it goes about 91 degrees from us. And that's when sundown is and when twilight begins. And it ends, and it's considered full, definitely night, when the sun is six degrees about six degrees below the horizon or 96 degrees from where we are standing. That, for that you need an app because that needs to be computed based on your particular spot where you are standing and based on the day of the year, every day will be different, every place will be different, and, but if you know the, you're able to calculate it based on where you are, you're able to calculate exactly how long it will take for the sun to move when every day it will reach 91 degrees from you, and when it will reach the 96 degrees from you. Mm. Yes? No, maybe I misunderstood, but because there's such a variation in when the sun sets and rises as you go north or south, mm -hmm. so we base our sunrise and sunset time on Jerusalem? No. Oh, okay. We base our sunrise and sunset time on local. wherever we are, local time. So but what the 18 minutes that the Talmud said is not 18 minutes. It's the equinox in Jerusalem, it took 18 minutes for the sun to reach that point. But it's not about 18 minutes, it's the degrees of the sun. It's six degrees below the horizon. So, so if you go really like in Alaska or 
what do you do when the sun doesn't set and doesn't rise? That's a big problem and that's a discussion of itself. And there are Jews in Alaska. There are Jews in Alaska. That's, a, that's an issue of itself. Yes. There are places where there's never a full sunset, even in St. Petersburg, where there were you know, Jewish scholars hundreds of years ago, um, or in you know, northern places in England, um, in Scotland, um, even in those kind of places, the sun, it sets every day, but it, doesn't get, it never gets fully dark in the summer. Yes. So the times on the calendar, they're calculated and incorrect for us. Times on the calendar, calendar are calculated and they're correct. And um, I, what I'm trying to explain to you how we get those times. No, I, I get it. I okay, so that's the Gaonic view. That was one opinion. There's another opinion. Not all scholars agreed with the Gaonic view. There were a number of different opinions. However, the other prevalent view is named after, although there are many, many scholars that agreed with this view, it's named after the great French Tosafot, grandson of Rashi, lived in the 1100s, Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Yaakov Tam, one of the greatest Jewish leaders, very famous um, French Jewish scholar in the 1100s. In their view, and they base this on readings of the Talmud, the sundown that the Talmud is referring to is not when the sun goes below the horizon. The sundown that the Talmud is referring to is when the rays of the sun is no longer visible in the sky. When is that? So, no longer visible from. No longer visible. You can no longer oh, see the rays of the location. sun in the sky at all. So not only you can't see the sun itself, you can't see any light coming from the sun. That is what the Talmud means when it says sundown. When is that? That is almost an hour or 58 and a half minutes after sundown. So there's some debate over that, whether we look at, if you have a mountain to your west, as they do say in Palm Springs, you have these huge mountains directly to your west, do we look at when the sun goes down over the mountain, or do we imagine as if it's flat? And that's an issue of, that's a, and one of the many contentious issues on this topic, an issue for, an issue up for debate. So... So this is almost an hour after sundown when the rays of the sun are no longer visible and that is when twilight begins in the view of Rabbeinu Tam. And in this view, until almost an hour after sunset, it is still daytime for all Jewish law. It's still not Shabbat yet. It's still 100% day. Only once no light of the sun is visible, that is when twilight begins. Twilight then ends in this view 13 and a half minutes later. It's a little bit shorter according to this view, but it ends 13 and a half minutes later. And then it is considered fully dark or 72 minutes after sundown. In this view, in Rabbeinu Tam's view, Shabbos begins well after the visible sundown. Almost an hour after visible sundown. And it ends even later. It ends... 72 minutes after visible sundown. 
So it ends much, much later. So the debate between these two views, and both these views have found um, Talmudic sources to back themselves up, the debate between these two views has raged for close to a thousand years and continues to rage within the Jewish community. This debate continues. One of the unusual things about this debate is how Jewish custom changed. Now, generally, once a particular view in Jewish law becomes consensus, it remains as the accepted view forever. And it's very rare for something that was once a consensus in Jewish law to change. But for some reason, this thing did change. Now, Rav Yosef Karo was the author of the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law. He was Sephardic, he lived in Sephard. And Rav Yosef Karo was considered the most important halachic figure, or Jewish legal figure for Sephardic Jews. And in almost all laws, Sephardic Jews follow the view of Rav Yosef Karo. Now, Rav Yosef Karo himself believed that Rabbeinu Tam's view was correct. The later view that sundown and twilight is much later, and and almost an hour after the sundown, um, the visible sundown. And yet, for most of our history, as we have recorded, Sephardic Jews have followed the view of the Gaonim, the earlier time. And this is one of the handful of things in which they did not follow their lead halachic scholar, um, Rav Yosef Karo, and historically, Sephardic Jews have followed the view of the Gaonim. Now, Ashkenazic Jews did as well for a long time. Rabbeinu Tam was the leader of the um, Tosafot of the scholars in the 12th century, in the 1100s in France, and definitely the leading Ashkenazic scholar of his day, without a doubt. Um, And uh, nevertheless, Ashkenazic Jews did not follow his view. For a very long time, they followed the view of um, Ashkenazic Jews followed the view of the Gaonim, and they would start Shabbat at the visible sundown, and Shabbat would go until the sun, and Shabbat would, the twilight would end, could be considered to have ended when the um, when the sun is six uh, six degrees below the horizon. But then, in the mid 1600s, it changed. A number of very prominent Ashkenazic scholars at that time ruled that Rabbeinu Tam was correct. The view of Rabbeinu Tam was correct, including Rabbi Avram Gumbiner, who was a scholar, Polish scholar known for his work, Magen Avraham, one of the most important halachic Ashkenazic scholars, and Rabbi Mordechai Yafo in a book called The Levush. But perhaps most notably, the chief Sephardic rabbi of Amsterdam. Now, for most of Jewish history, or for the last 500 years, Ashkenazic Jews lived mostly in Europe, Northern Europe, um, and Central Europe, and Sephardic Jews lived mostly around the Mediterranean. But Holland was somewhat unique. Holland, from the 1600s, when it became an independent country, um, the Holland had both a large Ashkenazic and a large Sephardic community for a very long time. And so the um, rabbi, the chief rabbi of the Sephardic community in Amsterdam, Rabbi Avram Pimintel, was um, in the the 1600s, published a book called Minchat Kohen. 
And in this book, he put forward some very, very convincing arguments that the view of Rabbeinu Tam is correct and the Gaonic view is wrong. And it was a very um, convincing book that he published and it became very, very popular. And due to that book and due to the view of the other great scholars, um, Ashkenazic Jews stopped, uh, changed and started following the view of Rabbeinu Tam in that they would start keeping Shabbos later. They started Shabbos almost an hour after sundown. Till then, they would continue going about their work, light candles close to an hour after sundown. And then they would, Shabbos would end well over an hour after sundown, following the view of Rabbeinu Tam. And this continued in most Ashkenazic communities for about 150 years. And then in the late 1700s, the two leading European rabbis of the day were Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, known as the Alter Rebbe, or the Baal Hatanya, we once did a class about him, and Rabbi Eliyahu of Vilna, known as the Vilna Gaon. Um, they were the two most prominent Jewish scholars of their day. And both of them, both published um, works arguing that very forcefully that the Gaonic view is correct. And the Rabbeinu Tam view is incorrect. And so as a result of their influence um, in the late 1700s, almost all European Jewish communities switched and began once again to keep Shabbos to start with the visible sundown and end about the 18 minutes, or as we'll see, it's a little bit more, after sundown. Now, there were some communities, mostly Hungary, Romanian Jewish communities, that continued to follow the view of Rabbeinu Tam, but not for the beginning of Shabbos, only for the end. So they would start Shabbos the earlier time, at the visible sundown, but they would end it 72 minutes or well over an hour after sundown. Ended much later, following, they would essentially follow both opinions. There were a number of, and this is mostly in Hungary and Romania. Today, all Jewish calendars that publish sunset or Shabbos or holiday times follow the Gaonic view. Um, though some also add the time for Rabbeinu Tam for the end of Shabbos. Today, most communities, almost all communities, follow the Gaonic view. Well, all communities follow the Gaonic view for the beginning of Shabbos. In other words, that it starts at visible sundown. Most communities follow the Gaonic view for the end of Shabbos, that it start, ends the 18 minutes after um, sundown, or it's really six degrees below the horizon. Although some communities, mostly Hungarian communities, um, that have a Hungarian tradition, still wait for the full 72 minutes after the visible sundown for Shabbos to end. And you'll often see some calendars have printed the Rabbeinu time, Tam time for Shabbos ending for those that end Shabbos, want to end, have a tradition to end Shabbos later. So now that we know a little bit about when night begins and ends, when exactly does Shabbos begin and end? In our calendar that we publish, 
we have a beginning time for Shabbos, an end time for Shabbos. How exactly is that? We, have, we call it candle lighting time, the time to light the candles. How exactly is that time calculated? Very good question. I am going to address that right now. So, so, but in order to understand how the times for Shabbos are calculated, we need to know a few more details. Our sages say that the Torah sorry, tells us, on Yom Kippur, you should add to the day of Yom Kippur. Add to the day, start a little earlier than we're supposed to, and end it a little later than we're supposed to. Our sages say, and they have biblical sources for it, that the same is for Shabbos and holidays. Start a little earlier than the official start and end a little later than the official end. But it doesn't tell us how much earlier or how much later you choose. You could do it a minute, you could do it five minutes, you could do it 20 minutes, you could do it an hour. You could choose how much to add to the beginning of Shabbos and how much to add to the end of Shabbos. There's no official rules as to how much you have to add at the beginning and at the end. As long as you keep it from the minute you bring it in to the minute you So you can add and start Shabbos early, and you should, but how much early is known. There is, however, another opinion, in addition to the two opinions we mentioned earlier, as to when sundown is or when the twilight moment begins. Ben Hashmashot begins. And that is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer of Metz, known as the Sefer Yireh. In his view, he says actually that when the Talmud speaks of sundown, it doesn't mean when the sun goes below the horizon. It means when the sun is already starting to set. It's getting close to the horizon. When we say it's fully dark, that means when the sun goes below the horizon. In other words, sundown begins or the twilight moment begins 18 minutes before visible sundown, and at visible sundown, it is considered fully night. So we don't follow that opinion. But since we're supposed to add to Shabbos, how much should you add to Shabbos? Various communities had different traditions historically, but in recent years, the um, custom has developed to add 18 minutes. Why 18 minutes? Well, that way, you also keep Shabbos according to the view of Rabbi Eliezer of Metz. Metz, by the way, is a town in France um, that he lived about, he lived in the 1200s, that Shabbat actually begins 18 minutes before sundown. And so therefore, the candle lighting time you will see in your calendar is 18 minutes before sundown, which is when the sun is 91 degrees below the horizon. So they calculate when the sun will be in your particular place, 90 degrees below the horizon. And then based on that, we calculate the, um, we calculate, we add 18 minutes, and that's the time that candle, that's the time you should light candles. Ideally, you should light candles before those 18 minutes. However, as Hillary pointed out, if you miss the time, you're rushing and you didn't make it on time, you didn't get a chance to light the candles before the 18 minutes, you can, you still have that leeway. You can still, because you only have to begin Shabbos before actual sundown. 
you're supposed to add, but you could add a minute, you don't have to add more. And so you have some leeway. And you could add another 18 minutes. However, there's a catch to that. It's not really 18 minutes. <laughs> That's because the time that they publish in the calendar for when 18 minutes before sundown, so if you add 18 minutes, that would be the time of sundown. The time they publish for sundown, for when sundown would be visible from where you are standing, is based on a number of things. It's based on calculating where the sun would be, assuming that the rays of the sun are bent by the atmosphere for another minute or two after the sun goes down. But that really can vary depending on the atmosphere. And the atmosphere changes based on where you are and based on the time of year and the weather. The atmosphere can change, and that can make a minute or two difference depending on the atmosphere, how much it bends the rays of the sun. Also, the times that are calculated are rounded off to the minute. And so, as the round-off could cause some change. In addition, most apps today are based on, are calculating times based on zip code. They based well. They base they have you have to base the time about a particular place. How do you base it on a particular place? You base it on zip code. Zip codes are standardized. It's easy to calculate things based on zip code. Usually, the zip code is the exact because they want to do the exact spot, the exact um, um, geolocation, and it's usually the exact geolocation of the local post office. So the exact time that Shabbos begins in your particular zip code that's calculated would be the exact time in the post office. Now you might be a mile or two or more away from the post office. And that can change your time for sundown by a minute or two, depending on where you are and where you are in relation to the local post office. And it isn't necessarily the post office, always the zip code, but there's a postal standard for where each, the exact spot where each zip code is calculated. Um, for, you know, for all sorts of different, for Google and for all sorts of other things. Um, but you can be a little bit away. So for that reason, the sundown assumed in the calendar can be up to three to four minutes off. Okay, so like here, okay, so this week it's going to be 6.56, and the following week it's going to 7.02. So that's in Redondo Beach, 90278. You're pretty close right now to the post office. It's right around the corner. But, and I don't know if that's where they're geolocating. You have to do the research to see what they're basing it on. But it's, it depends on the exact spot. And even then, there's variations based on the atmosphere. So it could be up to three to four minutes off. Yeah. So it's important to remember that, that the exact time is not exact, but it's within three to four minutes. Okay. So with latitude and longitude? Latitude and longitude, yeah. Of your location being In theory, somebody could build an app that follows your exact latitude and longitude and um, exactly where Sunday will be for you, where you are standing. I don't think anyone's done it yet. If they have, it's not, I don't know where it is. And it, it's a small computer, and it has a database in there. And it calculates it. Sunset. So 
Actually, I have the clock set 10 minutes fast, so it, so the lights automatically come on 10 minutes before sunset based on my location. Most geolocating systems work not on your exact geo spot. They do for maps, but not for, for other calculations like sunset. They either work based on the post office, the zip code, or they work based on your general latitude and longitude without doing all the point, you know, all the small numbers. Right. Right. It will change if you yeah. if you travel. Yes. Right. I mean, to get to move with the to move move with the speed of the sun, you'd have to be moving very quickly. Yes. Yes, yes, that's a very good question. How much earlier? So there's actually a specific time called Plaga Mincha when you can begin to light the candles. Um, it's about an hour before. It could be an hour plus. So if you're an hour before, you're fine. So you can light them an hour, but don't light them more than an hour before the time. So when does Shabbat end? So um, when does Shabbat end? So again, we're supposed to add to Shabbat at the end as well. We're supposed to add to it. There's no standard amount of time to add to Shabbat. However, in recent years, the custom has developed to end Shabbat when the sun reaches eight and a half degrees below, or so below the horizon, or about two and a half degrees after halachic night. So it's usually about 10, 15 minutes after the actual halachic night. It's a little bit later. Um, that's when we end Shabbat, and that's the end time. The end time in our calendar is eight and a half, when the sun reaches eight and a half degrees below the horizon. So now, so we've seen, I think, the importance of time, defining time, defining day in Judaism. It's been an issue of contention. It remains somewhat till today. Uh, but it's also important. In Psalms, we say, in Psalms says, Yamim echad bahem. God created a set amount of days for every single person. God gave every person a specific amount of days to live. If you're going to live for 70 years, you have a little over 20,000 days. If you're going to live for 100 years, you have more than 35,000 days. But you have a certain limited number of days, less than 40,000 days, most certainly, unless you could live until, until you're much, much older in your lifetime. Everyone has a very specific amount of days that they are going to live. So it doesn't matter how you live your life. It does. You live it recklessly and you know you're still living to this age. Well, God can adjust it when he feels. God, we know, we, we believe God can adjust the number of days oh. if he feels both, both ways. But there, regardless, at the end of your life, you would have lived 
a certain number of days. You're going to live for a certain number of days regardless. And so our life is really severely limited. In a sense, our limited number of days is the most precious thing we own. Every day is one more day down. You have one less day to go. And so therefore it is crucial that we value, and that's why time is so central to Judaism. It's important that we value every day and every moment. No day can be wasted. You lost, you only, you don't have that many days. You wasted a day, it's gone. You idle, you did nothing that day, it's gone. You have one day less to do anything constructive. So God, that, that God, we believe God put time at the center of Judaism. For Shabbat, for so many other rules, time is really at the center because we are supposed to be focused on time. We're supposed time is always kind of always been an important part of Judaism. You may notice that in Jewish synagogues, we have a tradition, and I don't think you find this in house of worship of any other religion. Most Jewish synagogues have clocks in them. This room doesn't, but the other room does. You walk into it. Most Jewish synagogues have clocks in them. Some of the older synagogues have very elaborate clocks, but most Jewish synagogues have clocks in them. Because not only outside, but kind of on, the, on a thing outside to tell you the time, but inside, time has always been very important in Judaism. Watches, being able, knowing when the time is to know how you're spending your time. It's very important, not just to kind of to ignore time and just let it go, but it's very important to be very well aware. What am I doing right now? What am I going to do for the next hour? What is my schedule? Very, very important. And that's why so many rules in Judaism are time-based because time is so important because it is so limited and so valuable. Very important that we use it very wisely.